Easter, everybody. I'm thankful that you guys are joining this live stream or this podcast. Whenever you're listening to this, it is Easter 2021. And I'm so thankful that you guys are listening into Fireside. My name is Andy. Um, my wife and I, Kate, we co-lead Fireside Church. And it is incredible to see the seasons change, not just a physical change, but also the season of uh, COVID and all that, that is not entirely completely changed, but I do believe that things are changing. And so you may be listening to this Sunday morning and we do have a live gathering on Easter Sunday in just a little bit at 10.30 a.m. on Easter. And we're trying something different and uh, we are gonna give a message live but it's gonna be a little bit shorter than the message that you're listening to right now. So if you're listening or watching, you're getting the real deal. You're getting the whole thing. Um, and I hope you uh, put earbuds on or uh, put it through your speakers and let's get ready to uh, be encouraged and celebrate the biggest event in the history of mankind, and that is Jesus's resurrection. And so I want to begin with reading the story of Easter, and then we'll dive into the, um, and picking apart and dive into our hope that we have in this. In Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Let me pray for us as we dive into the Easter story. Lord, speak to us, God. Living Jesus, with your Holy Spirit present in us, speak truth. Make your presence known today as it was known then when they encountered the resurrected Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Amen. So Fireside is a new church. Well, three years old, I believe. And, you know, going through COVID can put stresses on a new church. And as we kind of go and reform and restart Fireside after uh, we get out of this winter season, hopefully this COVID season, but also the season that Kate and I have gone through with our nine-year-old who passed away in February of this year after battling cancer for four years. It's a new season. And we start thinking about who is Fireside. And, and, and this message reminds me of, of one of the things that we want to do as a church. If you look at this, the tomb was rolled away. There was an obstacle in front of the res to, to view the resurrection and the people. 
What we know about Jesus' resurrected body was that he did not need the tomb to be rolled away to get out. He would appear in rooms, and he had this earthly body, but it was resurrected, and it was kind of new and different, and that's for a whole other sermon that we're not going to get into. But the bottom line is this, that the tomb, the rock was not rolled away for Jesus to get out, but it was rolled away for us to get in. What I mean by this is this, God wants to remove obstacles for us to experience the resurrection. Experience who Jesus is and what he's done. The angel says, go look for yourself. The other gospels say, look, you'll see his clothes lying there, but you won't see him lying there because he is alive. And Fireside, this is what we want to do, is that our hope is to remove obstacles from people to, for them in order to experience the resurrected Jesus. And these obstacles can be uh, past experiences with church or religion or Christianity or uh, preceptions that they may have going into it. That we just want to remove any obstacle that prevents you from experience the love of a resurrected Jesus. And that's why the, the rock was rolled away so people could experience the resurrection. Not for Jesus to get out. That's what we want to do. Because everything in the Bible leads to the resurrection. The Old Testament looks ahead, looks forward to the resurrection. And the New Testament, post-resurrected Jesus, looks back at the resurrection as the staple foundation of the faith. It is completely, the, uh, changed everything. It is the reason Christianity exists. It is the biggest event in the history of mankind, and we celebrate that today. But before we celebrate, I, I, we need to recognize the state that we're in. As I was going through my notes with Kate, Kate mentioned, hey Andy, it sounds awfully depressing. Um, and this is not supposed to be a depressing time. It's supposed to be celebration time. But we need to start at the reality of where we are at as a society. It has been a hard year. A, a year ago, I remember thinking that Easter was going to be the Sunday that we got out of COVID. And how wrong was I? I guess it's a little bit better now that we are actually having a live gathering, even though it's outside and many may be in cars, but at least it's together. Where last year it was Kate and I at our kitchen table just talking to a screen. It's been hard. And I think we are feeling, well, I know we're feeling the effects. And even if you don't think you are, Rest assured, you are. And I'm not trying to be depressing. I'm just giving the reality that it has been a hard year from people that we know passing, from jobs and marriage strains, isolation. Boston Children's, where we spent a lot of time, I heard that many of their floors are filled because they have mental health patients children 
occupying rooms where it should be an oncology patient, but they just don't have the room. And I've talked with parents and teachers and they're just saying that kids especially are struggling. You're struggling, I'm struggling. And for, for us, it's not just that, but it's also the passing of our, our, of our little girl, our oldest child. And so it's been a hard year. And if you're feeling it, know that we're all feeling it. And I think it's so easy to like try to blame it, but the reality is the blame is the broken world. Is the evil that has penetrated this world trying to shield us from the hope that we have in Jesus. So you're not alone. But being a believer, having this hope, this shouldn't surprise us. I think there is a, a notion that if we have Jesus in her life, then all will be well with our life and things will work out. Good things happen to good people. But Peter debunks this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And he says to the church, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And, and he's saying this to a church that's being persecuted. And like us, there's probably sickness and death and brokenness infused in their life. And Peter's saying, why is this surprising you? When you said to yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to hope in eternity, but you're not saying yes to everything to go your way, you should not be surprised. I want to give you an example of this, and it's a, it's a man that was born in the 1800s, and his name was uh, Horatio G. Spafford, and he had a, he's from Chicago, and he had a law firm, a businessman. He had a wife, and he had five children. One of his children, his only son, died from pneumonia. That alone will put you in a bad spot. We're feeling that. We're feeling the loss of a child. That will really make you think and will really cause you to realize, make you realize how broken our world is. But then his business was burnt down in the Chicago fire. It was later reestablished, but a burnt business, a lost child. They go to Europe. He sends his wife and his four daughters ahead of them and said, I'll meet you in a couple days. I'll take the next ship, but you guys go. Well, that ship sank. And his four children drowned with it. His wife makes it and sends him a message, a telegram message. And all it said was this, saved alone what shall I do? Five children gone. They do have three more children, but another one dies at age four to pneumonia. He has lost six children. After the boat sank, he wrote a song. A song many of you probably have heard if you grew up in the church. And I'm going to spare you from me singing it. But I do want to read the lyrics. And it says this. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast, God has taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And the chorus just repeats that. It is well, it is well 
with my soul. So the question is this. How do we say it is well with my soul when it is not well with my body? How do we have the perspective of saying it is well with my soul when my earthly physical existence, my circumstances is not well? And it goes back to Easter. Easter is what makes us believers who have their hope in Christ to say it is well with my soul when it is not well with my body. It's a perspective change. When I was in Florida a couple, about a month ago now after Elliot passed, I was out on our balcony and our balcony, you could see the bay in the dif- distance, but you could, there's a parking lot there and you could see kind of buildings. And I'm out there at night in the warmth and asking God, how could you allow death to come to our family? And as I'm looking and pondering that question, there was this church that caught my eye that I hadn't really noticed before. And on the church was a steeple like, many churches have, and on top of that steeple was a cross. And I couldn't stop staring at that cross. It was as if God was saying, don't you realize that I have conquered death? When we talk about victory in Jesus, you know the song, victory in Jesus. Have you ever asked yourself, well, what have you won? <laughs> what are we being saved from? What's the victory? Because I'm looking around and it doesn't seem like we've won anything at all. It seems like failure to be honest with you. But here is what victory means that God has said, I have given you victory over death. See, when death isn't in your life or from someone you know, it becomes a hypothetical situation. To be honest with you, this is where how I felt. Yes, I understand the hope and the promise of eternal life and the gift that God has given us and the victory that he had over death. But at this moment in my life, I have so many cares going on that I am kind of overwhelmed with that. And so that is all good. It's a hypo- hypothetical solution to when that happens. But here's what is the reality is that victory becomes a reality when death enters your home unwanted. And Easter for me has a whole new meaning. Because now what was hypothetical has become a reality. And so therefore, therefore, I cling on to the victory that Jesus has given not only me, but for Ellie and for my loved ones, that he has conquered death, that life does not stop here on earth, in our physical presence, that God is in the process of redeeming this earth, that we will be one day with Jesus in his glory, 
where John said there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. And that is a victory worth celebrating. I want to read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is one of the best chapters in the Bible about the resurrection. Starting in verse 53, he says, Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Another translation talks about our perishable bodies must be transformed into something imperishable. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin, sin is sting that results in death. And law gives sin its power. But thank God, he has gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through his sacrifice and his resurrection, he has conquered death itself. We are no longer will be perishable. As I age, I am feeling very perishable. <laughs> that our temporary state is happening right now. I was listening to Tim Mackey, who's a podcaster, and he was talking about this perishable state that when he wakes up, that he even hurts from sleeping. And Kate and I were talking about that, and we agree because we are on our sixth mattress in six months trying to find something that doesn't make us hurt when we wake up. Now, this wasn't a problem 10 years ago, definitely not 20 years ago, when you felt indestructible, right? Now, I'm at a point where how is sleeping make me feel broken. Why? Because we are perishable beings while we're on this earth in our present body that it is on its road to death on this earth. That, that's where we are. We are all dying. I know that sounds morbid, but that's where we are at. And so as I look about this passage and I think about Ellie, my focus has been on heaven. What will the next phase of life be like that, that we have won victory? And it's been so amazing. And when you refocus that, what you do is that you will maximize eternity and you will minimize the temporary. But many of us do not live like that. Many of us live in a way that we will maximize the temporary. We will do everything right now, our focus, our attention on the here, on this earth. And we will live accordingly to the treasures that we store up on earth. But if we could flip that and say, no, there are treasures that we are to store up in heaven. The way we live, the way we love, the way we serve has an internal impact. And if we can maximize that and minimize the, the temporary, then we are doing what Christ wants to do. This is what he says in Matthew 9, 19. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and venom destroy, vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question is, where is your heart? 
Tim Keller, who is a, um, a pastor in New York City, or was, and now he's a church planner, and he's just a, a great man of God that has influenced um, our culture in many ways. He wrote a book on death um, not too long ago. And as it was coming out to be released, he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he writes this wonderful article about this, how he needs to reread his own stuff because before death and all that was more of a hypothetical as I talked about before, but now it's become a reality. And so he needs to tell himself the hope that he wrote about so he would have that hope. And, and he says this, I have been slipping unconsciously into the sub supposition that God lived for me rather than I for him. That we'll live our life with this idea of what can God do for me? As I mentioned, I've really been reading a lot about heaven and thinking and praying like I'd reveal more of heaven to me. I was been reading a book called Imagine Heaven, which takes people's near-death experiences and parallels them with what the Bible says, and um, uh, just a fun book to read. It gives you good images, and I, I know that you have to read it and filter out some of the things that um, when you take people's testimony, there's always some question there if it contradicts Scripture, but um, John Burke, the author, does a really great job of filtering that for us, and he has a great picture. So he's he talks to this one woman that really stood out to me who, who had this near-death experience and had this vision of being in the presence of the Lord, of the, being in the presence of Jesus. And her life here on earth was just broken. She was abused. She was abandoned. Um, she was just had one of those lives that it just breaks your heart being bounced around from different families. And so her whole life, she was waiting for the day to go to Jesus and say, God, well, what have you done for me? I'm looking around and I'm seeing the brokenness, but what have you done for me? And so she writes about that. And so what she says, when she gets to face to face with Jesus in this vision and this near-death experience, she said, you could not explain the glory and the love that exuded out of Jesus. It's something that words can't put on page and I didn't want to leave him. And before I wanted to say, God, what have you done for me? All I could think of is what have I done for him? The reality of being with Jesus for eternity will change how you live here in the temporary. But we wanna cling on and we put all our focus on the now, these treasures that will be destroyed. I remember taking our kids to Santa's Village a couple of years ago, up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And on the outside of the park, there's this free slide. It's, it's actually rather cool. It's this tin man, and you slide down, and you land on the, on the drum. And so as Kate and I were getting tickets and packing the water bottles, the snacks, the T-shirts, the extra pair of clothes, the diapers, the more passies, the stroller, the second stroller, all these things that you need to pack for just a short little trip, and we're packing all these things up. You know what I'm talking about. And... They're on the slide plane, and we're ready to go in. I'm like, all right, guys, it's time to go in. And they looked at me and said, no, we just want to stay here. I'm like, guys, 
we we came to go into Sam's Village, the park. I'm like, no, it's okay. We'll just stay here. I'm like, guys, but this is just a, a slide. Yeah, it's kind of cool, but there's a ton of kids on it. You're waiting in line. And they're like, it's fine. And I'm trying to explain to them, guys, on the other side, you think this is cool? Oh, let me tell you. They don't just have slides. They have roller coasters. They have slides they don't have to climb up. And they have shows, ride after ride. And they're like, yeah, no. And I'm trying to get them to come into the amusement park that we came for. And it was until finally I said, guys, they have candy. And then drop their things and off they go into the park. But I believe this is where we are. We're so focused on the now and the temporary. And God's saying, if you could just only see what's on the other side and what's in store for you, you know, it is amazing. You think this is great or many of us think, oh, this is not great where many of us are right now. But our hope lies with the gift that God gave us by dying on the cross for ourselves that we may spend eternity with Jesus. That's the victory. C.S. Lewis says this, those who do the most in this world are those who have an understanding of the next. See, the, the more security you find in this world, the more insecure you are on the next. And then the more fear we'll have of death. The more security we find in this world, the more we do for this world, the less, the less we'll have an eternal focus. The more insecure, what I mean by insecurity is that we would be filled with fear and not quite sure what's that all about. But if we can have the confidence to say that we will be with him forever. Why? Because of what he did for us on the cross and it's accepted. And we want to live our life with that perspective. It will change how you live. The missionary Amy Carmichael was an Irish woman who served in India. And she says this, we will have eternity to celebrate the victories, but only until the sun goes down We'll have eternity to celebrate the victories on earth. Those who have taken and put their trust in Jesus Christ in order to be with him forever, to have their life not just changed for eternity, but God changes our lives here on earth. He gives us a power in the Holy Spirit and able to give us that peace that transcends all understanding. And when we are in eternity, then we can celebrate all the victories here. But there's only a short time we're here on a mission. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 2 since then you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on earthly things where is your focus are you storing treasures here or there see Easter Easter has given us victory over death that now we get to spend eternity with him. Will you accept the gift that he's given to you? Will you accept the victory that he's won for you? Will you live your life changed with that knowledge and that understanding? Will you let the Holy Spirit come and transform you to who he wants you to be, the purpose that he's given you on this earth, and for you to have the focus of eternity, saying, God, I am here for the temporary, 
and I know that while I'm here, I'm going to live and serve for you, and I will be with you in your glory. For us, knowing that our daughter is in heaven, in glory, it makes this earth almost bearable. I know that sounds weird because we say, you know what? She's won the race. As we talked about last week, you can go on the podcast and listen to it, but she's won the race. And so for now, we are still here in a broken state, but there is victory in death because he's conquered death and enabled Ellie to be there with him in his presence, in his glory. And from what I read from scriptures, it's just something we can't even imagine. It is perfection. It is unbroken. It is painless. It is no more tears. And for Ellie, I rejoice in that, knowing that one day I will join them in that but now I am here and we are on a mission and so my focus is going to be an eternal focus in order to have a temporary impact here while I'm here impact for those to also have an eternal focus and see with that lens with that lens we can say it is well with my soul when it is not well with my body. We can say that my soul is well when life, when the world around us, when sickness, when pain, when loss and tears are in my life to make me feel and recognize how perishable we all are and how our bodies are breaking down. But I could say it is well with my soul. That's the victory that we have on Easter. He has risen. He has risen indeed. He has risen so that one day we will be risen. He is alive so that we may be alive forever. It is well with my soul. Lord, thank you for the victory that you've given us on the cross. Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening to this that may not understand that victory, that they would grasp the gift that you've given them. He said, I am the way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father except through me, that they would say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Since you are the way, Lord, I receive your gift. Lord, transform me on this earth to the purpose that you've given me. Give me a focus of eternity. Lord, help me love better, serve better, and overall just be the person you created me to be. I submit to you, Lord. Thank you for the victory that you have shattered death, our worst fear. So we don't have to be fearful anymore. We can live life knowing that it is well with my soul. It's in your name I pray. Amen. God bless. The next couple of weeks we're going to talk about more about the response to the resurrection. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you hopefully in person soon. Have a great Easter.